We're sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee. My guest on the Tales of Tennessee podcast today is nothing short of inspiring. She is the girl next door with a twist. Her drive and passion for country music, which has led her to establish her own successful country music podcast and information website, but also her own record label, Triple Fret, representing one of the hottest new acts in the UK country music scene. So, Imogen Marshall, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> you are Feeling very, very welcome. flattered right now. Good. Good. Nice start today. So we first spoke, Imogen, probably at the beginning of 2019, and the boot was completely on the other foot. You were interviewing me in the run-up to our first festival, our first Dixie Fields. So much has happened since then. Full circle moment. Absolutely. Um, Can you give us a bit of a potted history about how this came about, specifically off the record to start with? Where did it all begin? How and why did you decide that this was the, the route you wanted to go down? It was one of those things where I look back and I think, you know, I, I don't always believe what, what's meant to be will be, but I was in a job where, to be honest, I hated it. I wasn't creatively fulfilled at all. I was just, you know, I was stuck in a town which I didn't really know. I just moved there fresh out of university and I'd always loved country. And for me, it was one of those things where I think it was sort of the this sort of burgeoning kind of thing with podcasts and it was sort of all kicking off. And I just wanted a creative outlet and selfishly to talk to country people and talk about something that I loved on a day-to-day basis. And as we were saying earlier, you you know, I can talk for England. So, yes, then I just sort of set it up. And it was one of those things where I look back now and I, I, I kind of have to pinch myself a little bit about how an idea that was literally just for me, it was just sort of a fun thing I wanted to do. And now where I am now, I'm like, oh, wow, it really did take over my life in a way that I did never, never saw coming. Yeah. So, I mean, it has, it's grown hugely in popularity and content over the last few years. Mm-hmm. How and where do you find all the content? Like, has it just grown organically um, because you've got to know more people yeah. in the industry? Or how how did you start off? It's sort of one of the well, um, initially, I remember I just started doing it on Twitter and sort of reaching out to people. And then as the way you sort of learn more and then I talk to more PR people and now I like to sort of obviously not right now but we had when we used to have gigs and things people would come over and you'd have a chance to interview people in person but now during lockdown it's been very much a case of I'm trying to spotlight artists that I love that I don't think um maybe got the light in the industry over here that I'd like to see so Jamie Floyd's one of my favourite artists. I love her songwriting. So talking to her was a joy. Um, yeah, so I sort of I guess it's a bit organic, just sort of talking to people about things that people love and it kind of spirals from there, I think. So what sort of timescale are we talking? When What year did you start off the record? Oh, my gosh. It would have been 2017, I think, in okay. November. Okay. I remember this because I ran up a really big phone bill because that was a learning curve because (laughs) I called the States and I learned very quickly, don't call the States, get the PR people to set set up the interviews for you. So yeah, it's been about three, four, three years now. Amazing. And then obviously, subsequently, you have teamed Mm. up with Emily Hayne and you have established Triple Fret, which is a record label and a management company. I mean, where did that come from? And how on earth do you go about setting up a record label? 
again, if you'd asked me this when I first started it, um, wouldn't have known the first thing about setting up a record label. It was definitely one of those things where we, Emily and I get along very well just as friends and we had had many conversations um, about lyric and off the record and kind of what we wanted to do next. I think we're both very creative people and we sort of wanted to see what the next thing was, both for us career-wise because we really wanted to make it into something that we could do for the long haul rather than just being sort of a side hustle. So we kind of actually, it was one of those sort of serendipitous moments where you both sort of go, well, I've always wanted to manage artists. And then she goes, me too. So then it just was just, right, we both were very gung-ho about it, like, right, we're going to do this. I then started learning a lot more about how to run a label and a management company and everything that I needed to do. And then we just started brainstorming artists who wanted to be on the label, and it kind of just all spiraled from there. And it sort of has been one of those things where... It has been a lot of learning on the job, but it's been really rewarding. And I'm thinking, was that, that would have been 2019 that that was set up? Yeah. So, yes, we first started having conversations late in 2018. And then we have our launch party in April 2019. Yeah. Yeah. God. This year sort of squished. So it's it feels just like so it's odd, been... isn't it? Because we've kind of just missed a year completely. Yeah. And so, are either of you, are either of you musical? to start with or is this literally are you both so completely far. starting Emily's from much scratch more, yeah so Emily's a lot more musical in terms of she still plays the guitar and actually knows that I have I've always played instruments so I played the flute piano and saxophone so I think I have a bit of an idea of like I know what chords are and things like that I mean I'm not would not say that I am the most musically literate but I can spot things more than I guess someone who's never played an instrument before which helps yeah. And so was it was it the management side, side that came first or did you think we're just going to go all in and do record label and management company? And and tell us, yeah. I mean, what is a record label? It's very easy. Everybody refers mm-hmm. to record labels. I do it myself. And actually, you're not necessarily particularly clear about what the role of the record label is mm. because the artists have also you know they've got their management they've got their production companies yeah. so can you tell us a little bit about the actual role of a record label of course so well, I think initially it did start off as a management company and then we kind of wanted to differentiate ourselves which was where the sort of label side came in um and Emma and Jodie are the ones that are signed to us for the label side again I think with in very um if you look back um to the traditional role of a label they'd give you know the artist the advances the artist would go away and create the project they'd come back the label would handle the release itself they'd get the revenue from that release i think we've taken a much more holistic approach so and um, joey for instance we do, we do all their sort of help them with their creative stuff setting up the co-writes as well as doing the actual release itself um so while we do handle the label side of things it's a lot broader than potentially some of the other traditional view of a label if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely so do you get particularly involved or what influence do you have with the actual production side of any of any music do you leave that to the artist primarily or do you Mm -hmm. go no actually we think you should be working with such and such producer and these particular session musicians we've we've had quite um 
we have a really good working relationship in terms of we have a lot of back and forth with them about things. So the, their producer who did the first two singles, um, we helped them set that up and they had conversations and we were there for their first meeting with the producer. Um, and definitely it was one of the things that we got, got the track back, had conversations. We weren't involved necessarily in the first iteration of the release, but we'll always offer comments when it comes back. And before it goes for mixing and mastering and all the rest of it. And then we have been, spoiler alert, they've got a new single coming out in the coming months, which is with a different producer, which we've been, which came through us and it was our direction. So yeah, it was exciting. Definitely watch the space. I mean, how how did you find Emma and Jolie to start with? Because obviously I saw them for the first time, as Mm -hmm. you know, out in Nashville in November 2019, and they were playing at the Song Suffragettes. Yeah. And I'd never heard of them before. And it's always when you're in Nashville and you're sort of watching a UK artist surrounded by all of these amazing American artists, you're always thinking, oh, goodness, I hope they they hold the side up. And they're so young, they're so beautiful, they're so lovely. And you're just willing them to do well. And then they started singing and you're just blown away. You know, they're they're amazing. How did you find them? Because they were completely unknown. First of all, at that song subject, I remember feeling like a parent. You're just sat there like, please, it's all going to go well. (laughs) Um, We actually found them on Instagram because they had been speaking to Tim Potty-Jones. And I think they'd had conversations about co-writes and things. And he'd said, you should get in touch with Emily and Imogen. Um, They handle country music they might be a good fit for you guys. So they tagged us in a few cover videos that they've done on Instagram. And to be honest, we just thought their harmonies were so great. And we thought there's not, I hadn't seen anything like them in the UK country industry. And then again, we got in touch with them, sort of wanted to know a bit more whether they'd done some demos and stuff. And they sent some stuff to us, original rights. Um, And we were really impressed by it. And at the time they'd just, they were just going out to Nashville and we helped set them up with a few rights. And then it basically was just a natural decision, I think, from all of us that it was going to be a really good and productive working relationship. So, um, yeah, lucky they said yes. Yes, absolutely. And obviously on the management side, you've got O&O and Amy Catherine. Can you tell me a bit about her? Because I haven't heard much about her before. Yeah. I've seen O&O so- live and they're brilliant. So Amy's, um, she's um, working, so she is definitely sort of put on the side for her at the moment, particularly with everything happening with the pandemic. We're taking her much more down the songwriter route. Um, so she was recently in Nashville. Oh, God. Recently. This feels like it was like pre-pandemic, but it feels like it's yesterday. Um, so we set her up with the related rights then, but we're definitely taking her more down the, the songwriter route for publishing, which is probably why you haven't heard any of the artist side of things for a while. So how has 2020 affected plans mm-hmm. for the likes of Emma and Jolie and O&O, who are there at the beginning of their careers, but they mm-hmm. were they were up, they were gigging, they were out there. H- how have things changed for them and for yourselves? I mean, I'm not going to lie, it's been frustrating and it's been frustrating for everyone in music. Um, with Emma and Jolie, it's been a case of, They've had they had their debut single come out, and ordinarily we would have been pushing for them to be doing live stuff in support of the single. We might have done like a single launch. We would have potentially done some showcases and things like that, and got them 
you know, playing the songs with a full band and things like that and rehearsing. And that's been frustrating. And obviously they also had plans to go out to Nashville, <laughs> which couldn't happen. But in some ways also it, there has been some blessings in disguise, I guess. Um, there's been a lot more co-writes with Nashville people that they wouldn't necessarily have done in um, pre-pandemic because obviously Nashville co-writers would ordinarily be writing in person. So there wouldn't, there wouldn't have been they would never have thought, oh, yeah, we'll hop on Zoom co-write with someone in the UK because it just wouldn't have made any sense to, for them to do that. So in that regard, it's been good, I guess, in terms of the creative thing. But yeah, it's been frustrating. We've had some things like music videos and stuff, which because of the pandemic, just the way it's been moving, um, had, had to be pushed back. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's been frustrating, but... Yeah. Well, we're all living for the day. I, I feel your pain. <laughs> I feel your pain. Yeah, you know so, my pain. <laughs> yeah. What is on the cards for them in 2021? Assuming, you know, come mm-hmm. April time, the, or March or April, the restrictions yeah. are, are lifted. Do they have, you, you've mentioned a new release. Are they planning an EP or an album at all at any point? So we've got plans for an EP. Um, the, without, well, actually, I'll tell you off the air. But it's it's going to be a collaboration with, um, a semi-established artist which we're really really excited about that's gonna be the next single um and then plans for an ep and then we've got more singles coming out with eleanor so it's just very much trying to keep some content going through but also we're not wanting to i guess rush doing loads of releases because it will be great ultimately to tie some of the releases and if they when we do the ep tie that into some live events so i think everyone's being quite cautious at the moment but I do think we've got some great things in the pipeline that are going to be announced in the coming months, which we're super excited about. Good, good. There's something to look forward to. That's that's yeah. what we like. That's what we like. So when did you first go to Nashville? Obviously, yeah, we want to talk to, uh, or through the podcast, we're talking to people who are working in the music industry, whether they're artists or people such mm-hmm. as yourself. Um, but we also want to know about your experiences in Nashville. Do you have favourite places to go, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So when did you first go to Nashville? So surprisingly, my first trip was actually that song of the dance trip. So my, oh, it was the most, I'm not going to lie, it was quite a stressful first experience because we, we flew in through New York and we knew we had the show at, I can't what time it was, at seven o'clock. And I think we must have got to the show literally as, because our flight was delayed and it kept being delayed and we were held on the plane. And literally as the lights went down, I think it was snowing outside. So it was an interesting first trip, but it was CMA Awards week. So it was a really, I guess, a very glitzy introduction to Nashville. Um, I just fell in love with it straight away. I thought I thought I would, but there's always that feeling, I think, for everyone in country music where you kind of glamorise it so much in your head. You're like, is it going to be as amazing as I think it is in my head? It's one of those things, isn't it? Like meeting your idols. You're always a bit um, exactly. not a bit unsure of whether they're actually going to live up to the live up to the hype. Um, yeah, you do have that <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, my next my next question was going to be, was it work or pleasure? It was obviously work as well as as well as pleasure yeah because obviously it was my first trip so I was sort of like we'd we had a lot of meetings for triple threat stuff lined up you know meetings with loads of publishers trying to get some just establish those relationships so it was a lot of work but 
Um, I think we had the weekend in the middle where we went out to Franklin Leapers Fork, which was really nice just to get out. And I had a few days put aside to do, you know, all the things you've got to do, like seeing like the country music hall of fame and all those things. So we did a welcome pleasure. I think a bit of both. I think I came back and slept for about 10 days. <laughs> so what was, what were your first thoughts when you landed? So forget that, that first night pre-song suffragettes mm-hmm. I don't know what you did afterwards did you head head downtown or were you just too exhausted I mean what I were your so first we went to bed <laughs> yeah what were your first thoughts when you went down and you saw um, Broadway and all the lights and everything is it as magical as you'd expected I honestly was like oh I found my place in life <laughs> it was so magical like it's just I think when you see it and it's it is like the pictures but it's also so different you know everyone's so friendly and everyone loves country and I mean it's that kind of feeling you get whenever you go to CTC where you're like oh I'm surrounded by I'm not the only one in the world who loves country this much and I think that is the magic of it the fact that there's sort of music playing out of lampposts or whatever they've got on the streets and they've got you know Dolly Parton's um, star on the what's it the Walk of Fame Um, things like that just it is, it is a magical place. Yeah, it is. And what about Music Row? Obviously, you had lots of mm. meetings, so I'm assuming you were down Music yeah. Row quite a bit. Is yeah. that not just the strangest place? It is, because it's also one of the things where it's all little houses, like all yeah. the offices, a little, like you walk past and you think, oh, that's a really cute quintessential house with the white porch outside. And then you realise it's actually the um, the publishing house for, I don't know, um, Spark or something. Yeah. and it's that that thing which is kind of a bit surreal you're like yeah absolutely how is that I, I think that's the nice office ever I think I'd built it up in my head that it was going to be you know this big swanky mm. boulevard with big swish buildings and obviously there there is a bit of that and yeah. there's a lot of development going on around there and there are some newer buildings and what have you but like you say a lot of the original recording studios just look like they're a house and you think oh god how the only building I think which I went into which was like all this funky thing is literally the the CMA place is the only I think it's the only building along there which feels very industrial whereas all the rest of them I mean there were offices with just like nice sofas like it literally felt like having a meeting in someone's living room it was it was lovely (laughs) yeah but I think probably that's part and parcel of why Nashville is so magical and for Mm. artists and industry people as well as as just general visitors because it has got that intimate vibe and you just feel like everybody's friend which I think is is brilliant so do you have any kind of top tips for places to visit and things to see in Nashville I mean what blew your mind there's so many things so bit of a rogue one but I actually just loved we had Yes, it was a night out. But karaoke at Santa's Pub is one of the most fun things to do ever. It's literally the, it's where Casey Musgroves and Ed Sheeran and all those people are meant to go. So I, was, I thought it would be, you know, quite glamorous. It's not. It's down like a little dirt track and it's all kitted out in Christmas gear all year round. And it's just a lot of fun. That, that sounds like, amazing. That's yeah. the, first, the first time I've heard of Santa's Pub. So I shall definitely be going Got there to be done. next time. I think I whiskey jam is a definite must do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think when you talk, when people talk about, you know, there's so much talent in the city, and I think that is a great, great showcase for 
that kind of talent um, and just you can tell that everyone is there to listen to new artists which I love and everyone's so engaged with it so I think that's definitely something that everyone everyone yeah. should do and obviously I mean you've got to do things like the listening room and the CMA and opera yeah. but that I think those kind of things you see the real Nashville almost yeah absolutely and what about did you have any particular favorite restaurants or eateries or what have you I know there's always there's various donut places and waffle places oh yeah that five have... daughters bakeries got to be done yeah um so mass taco I think was one that I love which again I think I love the sort of non-glitzy some places so that's an amazing Mexican place and Patterson House for cocktails is just the ultimate at the end of a nice day you have to queue for ages it's really hard to get in but it, it's worth it the cocktails are so good amazing and you mentioned that you've gone a little bit further afield in Tennessee whereabouts mm-hmm. did you go you went to Franklin and where else did you say Leapers Fork which I think is just like one over but it's much smaller than Franklin it's kind of one of those places which you know you've got the rocking chairs outside and there's places like James Smalls at the side of the road which I'm pretty sure you'd have for free if you wanted it's just the it feels like it's stuck in time as well it feels like about 1800 America and it was it was just it was really nice to get out of the city for a little bit um um, that sounds quite amazing and was there still music I know there's a lot of music in Franklin was mm-hmm. there still music in Liebersport as well um not as much I mean there's still some I think okay so we're in a, in a diner and someone literally taps us on the shoulder and got in a conversation with this, oh, this older man and he ended up he'd worked in like Elvis Presley's studio or something at the time <laughs> so yes there is music out in Liebersport um but there's not sort of the same you know, it's not music blaring from every corner. It's just quite a quiet, nice little town, really. Oh, that's a brilliant recommendation. Um, adding to my list. I think next time it's I go to Nashville, best. I'm going to have to go for about three weeks so I can just tick off everything. Just, like, literally everyone... just get your list and be like, right, done, done. Yeah, absolutely. So quickly, kind of before we start to wrap mm-hmm. things up, we must touch on dest- destination country, which is obviously a new development for Triple Threat and, yeah. and Off the Record. How did that come about? Give us a quick kind of synopsis on on destination country and where that's headed, or where all of your collective collective headed. Yeah, how everything is headed. So it's it kind of came up conversations between um, so James who does Lyric Magazine, Pip who does Entertainment Focus, and Dan Your Life in Song, and we just kind of all just thought, what can we do collectively together? You know, there's so much we all do slightly similar things but also very different things we've all got our different talents and skill sets um so we all came together and kind of wanted to start putting on sort of our whole mission is to bring the artists closer to the fans and to be honest I actually think that's the one thing that the pandemic has really helped you know we have now set up through that we've done um this sort of series of happy half hours which is basically where the artist comes on and they they talk and fans ask questions they play some songs and it's a zoom one so usually you can you really do feel like you're having that really good contact with the artists we've done facebook live shows pretty much every week throughout which seems crazy now how many shows we've done um so off that we kind of built this destination country family which is sort of um it's we we started off on patreon and we've moved over to this sort of native platform 
and that's got amazing benefits on it like we've done merch discounts and people get people have priority access to asking questions on their zoom calls so that's been just really fun it's kind of just again one of those things that sort of spiraled and we've got loads of stuff on the pipeline and yeah again I think that's the whole country atmosphere and I know as a as a promoter and a festival organizer Mm. it's very much although yes you know there probably is a bit of crossover there probably is a little Mm. bit of competition to some extent because we're trying to do the same thing yeah but actually it doesn't feel like that at all and everybody is there Mm. and willing to help you and you know you can pick up the phone and ask anybody if you're a bit stuck about something and I think that's such a lovely thing and a lovely aspect of the industry um it's like which a community is, yeah and also absolutely. it goes as far as the artists I mean I I can't think of doing happy half hours with them pop artists I think I would yeah. find it way too stressful um who probably like frown down at people's questions but they're just so like up for it like half the time it you know they have half an hour put aside in their calendar and they could be rambling for 40 minutes and it's the artist who's carrying on going not the fans yeah yeah no that's brilliant nice. so You've obviously, like you say, you've done loads of live streams and mm-hmm. happy half hours and what have you. Do you have a US artist to watch? You know, probably somebody who's quite unexposed and mm-hmm. up and coming. I have a few in top of my head. Brittany Spencer, I think, is amazing. Her voice is out of this world. Absolutely. I, I just think, you know, she's got so many people's support and loads of artists backing her. So I think she's definitely one. Again, I love Jamie Floyd's songwriting. Um, she wrote The Blade by Ashley Monroe. So I think. Oh my goodness. That, that's literally one of my absolute favourite songs. Yeah. And she's sort of doing a lot more of artist stuff. So I'm just, I mean, Jamie's also lovely. So I just, I'm hoping. I hope lovely people get the success that they deserve. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, so I think about, that's my two. What about uh, your UK artists to watch? Let's. Set aside yeah, let's, Emma let's, and Jolie. Uh, set aside any of your three: Emma and Jolie, Owen Owen, Amy, Catherine. Yeah, I think probably I would go with someone like Foreign Affairs. I know they're sort because they sort of tie the. I think they've got a lot of crossover appeal. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I think they could definitely go down. They've got the country. They've got the Americana, and I think they've also slightly got some rocky indie kind of side as well. So I think that always helps a little bit, if I'm honest. Um, countries are still, it, it's a growing genre, but it does help if you can kind of try and appeal to more than just the traditional country fan base, particularly okay with UK country. So I think those would be my ones. And what finally, what is your go-to road trip country song? It's got to be my chat from Aaron Morris. Absolutely brilliant yeah. voice. I mean, when I, I can blast that pretty much on repeat in the car i mean i've got a whole playlist of um road trip country songs which i'm pretty sure has been played to death oh yeah. and also next girl by carly pierce yeah that's my new go-to another good one awesome well thank you so much um can you before we absolutely leave it can you just give us a little roundup of where people can find you or your artists you know how's best to get in touch if they want to, do to be honest, that. if you just head to www.offtherecorduk.com, that's got all the links for the destination country, triple threat. And from that, you can find all the links for artists, everything. So that's probably the best place to get in touch. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Imogen. No, that's thank you so much lovely. for having me. It's just fascinating to hear all, all of these backstories. So very much appreciated. Thank you very much. No, thank you.
So in my customary post-production edit, I'm just going to recap the recommendations that Imogen has given for those who want to visit Nashville and Tennessee as a whole. She has suggested, obviously, in addition to all of the Country Music Hall of Fame, um, the Ryman, the Opry, heading out to Santa's Bar for karaoke, go to Five Daughters Bakery, although you might have to queue. And she also recommends going to Leapers Fork, which is a historic district just outside Franklin. So happy traveling. You have been listening to the Tales of Tennessee podcast with me, Georgie T. You can keep up to date with the podcast by following us at talesoftennessee.podbean.com or by following all of our social media channels for the Tennessee Fields Festival. The handle is at TNFieldsFest on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow me, Georgie T, on Instagram at the underscore accidental underscore everything. We'd love to hear from you, so don't forget you can email us at talesoftennessee at yahoo.com. And as always, thanks go to Francis and Archie Ween for providing the jingles for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee.